There were two more murders 15 miles when away. When arrived, they found the telephone the electricity line. The weird described by one investigator as reminiscent of a weird religion. Cup of murder. Father-son bonding is a wonderful thing. On March 26, 1996, a man died in a mental health facility while serving a sentence for multiple murders. Murders that he brought his 13-year-old son along with as a macabre way of father-son bonding. As a macabre way of father-son bonding. So, if you like your coffee hot but your bones chilled, sit back and start your day with a morning cup of murder. Joseph Kellinger, born December 11th, 1934, was placed in foster care when he was just two years old after his father abandoned his mother. When he was four, he was adopted by an Austrian couple named Stephen and Anna Kellinger. What should have been a joyful occasion, a boy finding a home and leaving the system, quickly soured. The Kellingers were both extremely abusive, so much so that at just six years old, Joseph suffered from a hernia, due to the beating inflicted by his father. He was made to kneel on jagged rocks, locked inside of closets, forced to consume excrement, burned by irons, starved, and whipped by belts. Then, to make matters worse, when he was just nine years old, he was assaulted by a group of neighborhood boys. When he was older, Joseph rebelled against his parents and teachers. He dreamed of becoming a playwright and, at 15, began dating a girl named Hilda Burgum, who he met at the local theater. His parents disapproved, but he married her anyway, and the couple later had two children. But it seemed that Joseph's life of abuse wouldn't end with him. Hilda later left him due to abuse, and in 1958, he found another woman and remarried. They had five children, whom he would later inflict the same abuse that he suffered as a child. He would spend the next decade in and out of mental institutions for amnesia, attempting suicide, and arson. And in 1972, he was arrested after his children went to police and relayed what their father had been doing to them. However, they later recanted their allegations. While in jail, he was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia, and psychiatrists recommended that he be supervised with his family. And he was later found incompetent to stand trial. It was around this time that Joseph began hearing voices and taking commands from floating heads that followed him around. He claimed that God spoke to him and told him to kill young boys and sever their penises. Not wanting to let down God, Joseph enlisted the help of his 13-year-old son, Michael, and went out looking for a victim. They found a nine-year-old boy and proceeded to torture and murder him in an abandoned building. The next to die during this macabre father-son bonding was one of Joseph's own children. Joe Jr., who had been one of the children who accused him of abuse, was found drowned in an abandoned building. But this wasn't the first attempt at Joe's life. Before their success, Joseph tried to kill Joe by asking the boy to back up cartoon style while taking his photo near a cliffside. When that didn't work, he took both boys on an arson run and tried to trap Joe in the burning trailer. Three days later, he successfully drowned his own son. He was questioned about his son's death, but due to lack of evidence, was not arrested. You would think the fact that just two weeks before his death, Joseph taking out an insurance policy on his son was enough evidence. It wasn't 
but it was enough of a coincidence that the insurance company refused to pay. Joseph and his son continued their crime spree all over Philadelphia, Baltimore, and New Jersey. They would go on to rob, assault, and sexually abuse four families by gaining entrance into their home by pretending to be salesmen. On November 22nd, they burglarized two homes in New Jersey. The first was unoccupied at the time, but the second was that of Joan Carty. The pair tied her to her bed and Joseph sexually abused the woman. 11 days later, in Pennsylvania, they robbed a home and held its five occupants hostage at knife point. They were able to leave with $20,000 in cash and jewelry. Then in Baltimore, they held Pamela Jask captive in her own home and forced her to orally please Joseph while being held at gunpoint. They did the same on January 6th to Mary Rudolph in New Jersey. Up until this point, everyone involved was able to escape with their lives. That was until January 8th, 1975, when they invaded a home in New Jersey and found eight people inside. For several hours, they beat, robbed, and terrorized these people. Then, at some point, they took 21-year-old Maria Fashing, who was a nurse who came to the house to assist an elderly patient, down to the basement. She was tied up, sexually assaulted, and stabbed to death. One of the men left their blood-stained shirt at the scene before fleeing. After they left, one of the hostages managed to free herself and ran outside screaming for help. The police were called and an investigation began. A laundry mark inside of the bloody shirt was matched to that of Joseph Kellinger. They were arrested on January 17th and, after a brief look into his past, he was charged with kidnapping and rape and, eventually, three counts of murder. Joseph Kellinger's first trial ended in a hung jury and was forced into a retrial. Despite his claims of insanity, he was found criminally sane and sentenced to life in prison on October 14, 1976. Michael, his son, was judged to be under his father's control and was sent to a reformatory until he was 21 years old. While in prison, Joseph made a number of suicide attempts, most notably when he cracked an egg on his head and proceeded to light himself on fire and try and cook it. He was eventually sent to a mental hospital where, on March 26, 1996, after 11 years on suicide watch, Joseph died of heart failure. Thank you for joining me in my morning cup of murder. Please join me again tomorrow to hear what terrible thing happened on March 27th. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and let me know how you like it. If you want to help support the podcast, there's always Patreon or just sharing it with your true crime obsessed friends. And remember, stay safe. Thank you for listening to Morning Cup of Murder. This is a daily podcast that tells you what happened on this day in true crime history. In short, easy to listen to episodes that you can finish on your commute or while you enjoy your morning coffee. So make sure you check back every morning. My name is Karina. I am the creator and host. You can find Morning Cup of Murder on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. I have also set up a Patreon where you can donate a small monthly contribution to the podcast. All those links are in the episode description. Thank you again and have a wonderful day.